Deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fishing Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Von Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, and podcaster. And I am so excited you took the opportunity to download our show or stream it online however you are listening. Thank you so much for doing so. Well, back with another show this week, and I'm really excited about our guest. His name is Jared Merritt, and he is uh, actually Captain Jared Merritt. Um, He is a fishing guide on the Baffin Bay area of our Texas coast, and uh, I'm really excited about having him on, on the show because the funny thing is, you know, I've talked a little bit about saltwater on this show, but we're in Texas, and we have a Texas Gulf Coast that's huge. And I've not talked a lot about it, and I've heard a lot of people say we'd like to hear more about saltwater fishing. So I had another podcast we did about a year and a half ago um, on big game fishing rigs back in 2015, and that was with Daryl Palmer with uh, Double D Extreme Tackle. And that was an awesome podcast. You can go back in the archives and listen. We talked a lot about, um, you know, conservation. We talked a lot about um you know just really cool things with the outdoors and uh getting your kids involved in the outdoors and what to teach the next generation and those kind of questions that i like to ask my guests on this show a lot um i just have a blast doing this so anyway go check that show out that's the last real saltwater dive that we had in here aside from chester moore and i talking about saltwater in the icast recap that we did this summer but uh, I'm really excited about this show because we talk all about saltwater fishing and um, have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, I really hope you'll enjoy this interview with uh, Captain Jared Merritt from Paradise Guide Services. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcoming to the Best of the Outdoors podcast, we have Jared Merritt. And uh, Jared, I'm excited to have you on as one of my official saltwater guides. How are you doing today? I'm good, good, good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your guide service, and we'll kind of get into some basics of fishing the Texas coast and your area is Baffin Bay, and um, we'll have some fun with this. Go right ahead. I'm ready when you are. Yeah, so I'm like you said, I'm down on Baffin Bay. I fish Baffin Bay and, and some more of the, the lower Laguna. Uh, just depends on, on what the fish are doing and, and the weather's doing for us. been fortunate enough here lately to not have to leave the bay you know, over the oh, last nice. couple of years. That's good. Once we uh, once we got out of our drought, but yeah, Baffin Bay. I mean, come out here and catch redfish, drum, uh, occasional flounder, trout. Uh, specializing more in trout. Okay. Uh, that's starting to be the the big big thing down here on the on on the bay systems anyway. Is right. Trout fishing. Well, and that's one thing in the Texas fishing game vernacular, I guess, that I've not really brought to the show before, is we call those specks and reds, or speckled trout and red fish, you know, being the two main species that we go after, and obviously drum, and, um, you know, I'm sure you have some gaff top and that kind of stuff on that area too, right? Yeah, there, there's there's a few down here. Uh, like I said, here here in, in the recent year or two, you know, the gaff top population hasn't been too terribly big as far as size goes. Uh, but they're definitely out there. They're starting to show up in numbers that I haven't seen in a long time since I've been down here. 
So that just kind of goes to show how the bay's coming back. After it's coming back after the drought. No, that's great. That's great to hear. And that's one thing I'm really big into catfish and freshwater. And uh, most of the folks that listen to the show know that. But um, I I really have a love for gaff top. And um, if the day's really hard, I'll even take a hardhead. But they're not very good to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I've never eaten one, but I've heard that. <laughs> If you fry it, it's not horrible. So my dad has tried it before, and he thought that it was so good uh, that my stepmother at the time um, had had basically done a bait and switch on him. You know, of of other kind of fish, he thought it was that good. And I was like, a hard head? Are you sure, Dad? Have you ever tried to clean one of those? It's like the hardest fish to clean, you know, in the world. I can honestly say I've never cleaned a hard head. You really have never cleaned somebody a hard head. To, if somebody wants to go out and catch hard head, you know, I, I can I can surely do that. It's but, a uh, fast action sport, right there, is catching hard heads. But that's yeah. kind of the the trash eater fish of the of you the just day. have to bear with me on cleaning it though. <laughs> that's right that's right because they are hard to clean but yeah hardhead catfish so i always kind of think i always thought when i'd introduce saltwater this show i would talk to talk about you know the saltwater catfish being the hardhead being the most plentiful one to catch but not the easiest one to handle because if you've ever been stuck by one of those the barbs stick in and they have poison in them and they're no fun so you got to be careful oh yeah when you handle them <laughs> yeah it, it, it can definitely ruin your day if yes. not if, if, it, if it hasn't ever happened to you before right and one thing that chester and i uh chester moore our editor-in-chief and i've talked about on the show is vibrio do you run into um kind of a safety protocol with uh with cuts and stuff like that in salt water very often you know i've i've lived down here since the early 90s and uh i grew up you know basically down here and playing in the water and running around unfortunately running around the bay barefooted and, right uh, i think that that's more of a if you take a shower when you get off the water you're gonna be fine right uh there are the, the the slim cases you know the few cases that we've had this year that you know you're hearing more and more about it but if you look at the situations that these people have put themselves in uh i'd be willing to bet that it was they just you know just proper hygiene i mean right. yeah obviously if somebody somebody gets cut or stuck with a hook or something and they want some peroxide well i always have it on the boat sure um you know safety is 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 paramount i guess uh sure it is but me me myself i don't i don't worry about it too much i mean okay when you look at the stats and the numbers you know it's kind of when you when you when you think about how many millions of people are in the salt water every year on the texas coast right and then you have five and then you have five or ten cases a year you know it's really it's pretty isolated, yeah. So, right, right. And I, I wanted to bring that up because of our of our coastal listeners that fish the coast because it is something that we've covered in the magazine a ton of times um, and on the show before. But I just wanted to reiterate, I guess, um, reiterate again that it's it's uh, important to um, preserve, you know, good hygiene and and when you're around salt water because things like that do lurk in the uh, in the deep, you know, or even the shallows. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, like I said, it's it's definitely something to to consider. And yeah, like I say, me myself, I don't necessarily rinse my hand if I get stuck with a hook or something every single time. But I do. Whenever I get off the boat, you know, I do wash my hands good. I do take sure. a shower. I do I do clean up. And, and if it's bad enough, don't get me wrong, I'll, I'll pour some peroxide on myself. Sure. I have no problem doing that or bleach or as it hurts. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's cool. So tell us a little bit um, how you got started in fishing as a as a child, I guess, or as a young man, and then how you got into guiding. I'm just curious. Tell us a folks. Yeah, about so it. growing up, uh, I'm I'm originally born and went to school and everything in Kingsville. Uh, my parents bought a place down here on the water, uh, probably in '92, 
92, 93, something like that. And so every weekend, every holiday, you know, this is where we came. And, and uh, you know, it's only a 25, 30-minute drive from Kingsville. So right. <laughs> grew up doing that and then uh, did a year in college and, and missed the coast. So I came back to Kingsville and I joined the Marine Corps and did eight years in the Marine Corps and, and came back and in, in there was going to college and finally got a college degree in, in uh, agriculture wildlife. Oh, cool. And, for two or three months trying to figure out after college what it was I wanted to do. And I said, you know what? I want to go fishing and think about it. <laughs> it just became a, a thing. And I said, well, you know what? If I'm on the water this much already, and I live down here. Right. While I'm figuring it out, why don't I uh, go ahead and get my captain's license and sure and figure it out that way. And I just never left. And you have so to I, have a captain's license to guide on the Texas coast. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes. Sir. Okay. You have to, uh, you have to have a U.S. Coast Guard you know, uh, uh, course that you have to take and pass their test and meet their requirements. And then you have to have a, uh, Texas captain, you know, guide fishing license, which right. is once you pass a coast guard test, I think that's more of just a check in a box. So everybody gets their money. <laughs> Gotta make sure all the, all the departments are supported. Correctly. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. No, I get that. That's funny. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, I just have a lot of fun with, um, with fishing guys that I work with. I mainly work for the magazine on the freshwater side, but you know, kind of seeing everybody's story. And so you've got a neat story, you know, with, with how you came to becoming a fishing guide. It, it's just kind of been your lifelong thing, I guess, in a way, huh? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was always leaning towards doing something and, and you know, with the water, with, you know, wildlife or fish sure. and, and went to college and, and that first year I told my parents I, I was going to join the Marine Corps and they said, well, you better go to college. <laughs> and, uh, of course. So I, I did that. And, and the whole time I was thinking fish, fish, fish. <laughs> and I said, well, if I go to college and I want to be a fishing guide, is that all right, mom? You're not going to kill me. And she, she laughed and said, no, if that's what you want to do, then go ahead and do that. And I jumped on it the next day and signed up. And that's awesome. Here I am. Well, and then how many years have you guided professionally? I'm just curious. This will be my, this is my fourth year professionally guiding. Okay, cool. Good deal. Good deal. So yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. And tell us basically how you approach fishing on the Texas coast and Baffin Bay specifically. I'm just curious what baits you're using or if you're throwing artificials or what your kind of mode of operation is when you approach fishing for these, for these kind of fish, your, your typical coastal game fish. You know, my, my, uh, my personal preference, if I was going to enter a, a, a fishing tournament, you know, even if it was serious or, or just with friends, you know, helping out a good cause, Sure. there's, there's nothing like catching a, uh, a, a trout in eight inches of water with a topwater lure, you know, there, oh, yeah. there's, there's no, no, no better feeling than that. Uh, I've caught fish, freshwater fish on topwater lures, like striper and bass yeah. and that kind of stuff. And it, it's hard to beat. <laughs> And, and, you know, I'll, I'll always, even, even in those situations, my, my bait of preference or my fishing preference, just because I've, I've gotten into it so much here over the last few years is live croaker. Okay. And, uh, you know, everybody has their, their little niche, whether, you know, whether it be plastics, hard plastics, soft plastics, croaker, piggy perch, you know, shrimp. Right. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the. Not to knock anybody, but a lot of the guys that just do not like bait have never really tried it and don't understand that there is a little bit of an art to live bait fishing. 
Yes, there uh, is. I've, I've been there before. And the funny thing I wanted to bring up, not to interrupt you, but I wanted to basically say that um, one of the things that a lot of artificial fishermen will call uh, folks that fish with live bait is crooker soakers, right? Uh, yes, sir. It yes, wouldn't sir. be it would be remiss if I did not mention that on the podcast. Croaker so, <laughs> soakers. So that's what some guys would say that you are. But I, I think it's fine. And, you know, and, and I, I've, I've learned over the last several years to uh, – especially on a, on a, on a business standpoint, you know, I look at it as, you know, people who fish are usually have some idea of say deer hunting. Right. And how many people do you know that are going to go out and say, you know what, I'm going to go deer hunting, but I'm going to make sure and not put corn in the field. Right. Especially in Texas. That's, (laughs) that's paramount right right there. You know, you don't don't see anything. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're not going to put corn in the feeder. They're not going to wear camo. They're going to wear yellow. Right. Or white. Uh, <laughs> they're going to not sit in a blind. They're going to sit in the middle of the road and they're going to wear bells around their neck. Yes. You know, you, you want to give yourself every opportunity and, and the best possible opportunities. Good examples. And, and, and you know, on, on a business standpoint, when somebody calls and wants to go fishing, it's definitely not the cheapest thing in the world to do. And, uh, you know, you, you want to give them the best opportunity that you can to catch sure. the fish they want to catch right and and in my experience and, and talking with some of these other guys that have been doing it a lot longer than me if a, if, if a trout or a redfish isn't hitting a croaker they're not going to hit the top water you throw at them they're not going to hit the soft plastics you throw at them right they're just not going to and so again why would you not at least take it with you and if you don't use it you don't use it but but if they're not going to bite a croaker they're probably not going to bite much else right. as far as the artificial category i never looked at it like that before and and you see a a, a speckled trout is gonna even if they're not hungry or the pressure's way too high or way too low uh they're still gonna hit that croaker right they might not hit it and swallow it but they're 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 natural enemies yeah they're naturally going to to, to go out and investigate that i see what you're saying and, right. and nip at it and, just and, to Right. Your croaker, your croaker eat trout and redfish eggs and fingerlings. Right. So they're a natural danger to, or, you know, a natural enemy. I see what you're saying. Right. And so, you know, they might hit it just to hit it and try and kill it. You know, you might not get a hook in the mouth, but you're, you're going to at least get the, the thumps that you want. Right. <laughs> and to, to go deeper into, you know, speckled trout fishing for, um, on the coast, you know, one of the things I've learned that you're probably going to tell us is to let that fish swallow that, that croaker, you know, and bend that pole before you set the hook. Is that right? Yeah. And, and I call it, you know, just, you know, sitting around hanging out with some of these other guys that, like I said, that have been doing it a whole lot longer, you know, I'm, 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 I won't say I'm still new to it. But, you know, you, if you're not learning something every day, then, then it kind of gets boring. Right. <laughs> and, Good uh, point. One, one thing I've learned over the years is that there's a there's what I call whenever I go to, to different shows and stuff is there's a textbook way to do it, which doesn't – it might work one out of every ten days. Mm-hmm. And you always need to start off your textbook way of doing things and then adjust with what the fish are doing, you know, that particular day. Right. And so, yes, and in, in, in theory, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you, you throw out and when you get that thump, you want to let them run with the line a little bit before you set the hook. And that's completely contrary <laughs> to what we do in, 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 uh, in, in large bout bass fishing in the, um, in the freshwater category, right? We're ready to set that hook if that worm gets bit. 
right there. Right. Right. Because and, we're going to lose the fish otherwise. And when you use different baits, you don't, you know, when you, when you're fishing with live shrimp, you, you, you know, you, you whack them as soon as they, as, right. soon, as soon as they hit that shrimp. But croaker is a different story. Right. Croaker is, is, is the trout hit the croaker from the side. Yes. And they're going to swallow that croaker head first. Right. And so when they hit it from the side, you have to give that fish enough time to turn the croaker head first into his mouth and swallow it a little bit so that your hook isn't now in the mouth of, 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 of the trout. Right. Or the redfish. And that, that goes by, you know, the difference in do you let them run with it for two or three seconds or five seconds or ten seconds or, you know. You don't and, want to lose them. You don't want them to spit the hook. I mean, obviously. Right. Right. So your your first few fish, you know, you might not you you might pull the hook, but right. then now you now you start to get a handle on, okay, this is what they're doing today. Okay, and That's what uh, you're saying. you know, in a in a smaller bait, you know, it, it's going to be a, a a a quicker hit, right? And you know, your bigger baits is going to take a little bit longer because you know the fish. But I've seen I've seen thirty inch trout with twelve and thirteen inch trout in them <laughs> and, i bet that's cool <laughs> and any any anybody who who trout fishes a lot will will tell you that or, or any of the the you know just commercial long line drum fishermen will tell you that right they, they see that all the time and uh you know it's it's big bait doesn't always mean big fish i guess but right. you know little bait doesn't always mean little fish right it can it can it can be oh. used interchangeably because sometimes they're in the mood for big and sometimes and sometimes they're in the mood of what, with what you throw them and sometimes they're not you know right that's fishing right. for you right and and that's why you know a lot a lot of croaker fishermen won't uh they won't even start their season until croakers start coming in okay because uh, that's a natural enemy like we talked about earlier right, right. And like I said, they're going to hit it in a high pressure and in the rain. If you're if there's if there's trout around, and they see that croaker, hear that croaker, they're going to hit it. And then now it's right. up to you to figure out, okay, what do I got to do to figure out how to catch this fish instead of it just hitting it, running running with it and killing it and then spit it out. Right. Right. And 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 that's a tough one to do. I mean, it it, it can be done, and I, I I do it every year, but there are days where it's 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 really tough. Sure. Um, I've been fortunate enough to not have ever not caught at least one fish on any of my trips in the last four years. That's good. Uh, that's good. But that's tough sometimes. I mean, that's a, that's a battle sometimes as a guy that you fight, right? Oh yeah. You, you, you know, and, and some people get frustrated and I think that that has a lot to do with it is, is attitude, you know, your, your, yeah, your, your first, your first few spots you hit, you know, they got they're hungover or they woke up late and then you hit these spots and you're not you're not on the fish right away and so they get a little discouraged and so they stop listening to what the guy's telling them. Right. And then as the guide, I sit there. You know, me personally, I don't fish most of the time while I'm on a on a trip and uh, I throw out when we move to a new spot. And once we catch a fish, I put my rod down, and now I'm I'm all about the the clients. Right, but you're basically prospecting a new, new piece of water when, right. you, when you throw yours out. That's very smart. I mean, I think it's, you should be honored for doing a guide like that and not just having your line in the water at all times. There's some guys that fish like that, and I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent, but I think it's nice that you that you put yours away and concentrate on your guest. And I I have the the trips where they say, hey, dude. You don't have to hold my hand. I know what I'm doing. If you don't mind me getting my own bait and stuff, I can do that for a lineup. Right. 
And That's sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. You know, it right. just kind of – but if it slows down in a spot, then, it, you know, if we got there and we're catching fish and they just turn off, you know, I definitely pick up and I throw, I'll throw a bait or two out there and say, well, they're still here. We right. just got to figure out what they're doing now or which sure. way they're moving now or, or, you know, stuff like that. Oh, that makes sense. And I uh, did a podcast, you know, about a year ago now, I guess, about top 10 things to look for in your next guide or an outfitter. And basically one of the things that I really, you know, harped on in that podcast is your guy doesn't need to have 20 years of experience. But if he has been doing this full time for any reason, he has been, you know, he's been tried and true by the fish or by the deer, or by whatever you're going after. Right. Um, you as, know, as long I, as he's not living under a bridge, you know, you're, he, <laughs> if that's what he's doing and he's paying his bills, he, it, it should be an okay, you know, uh, exactly. You should have a good trip. I wanted to throw that out there. I mean, I think that's that's paramount to uh, to any trip is you come with a good attitude, but make sure you hire a guy that's got, you know, uh, enough experience under his belt where he can go and, and constantly get you on fish, you know, time and time again. So um, that's, and, that's and, important. You know, I, that's what I tell my, 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 my regular clients, you know, I, I tell them, they call me and say, Hey, is your calendar open yet? And I say, well, I know I told you it'd be open, you know, starting this day, but the weather's pushing it back another two weeks. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, and toot my own horn and, and just be go crazy because I want money. You know, I, if, if, if I don't think that it's a trip that's going to work because of weather or, or just changing the water or something, and, and I have enough time. Right. I, I, I make it a point to call that customer and not wait for them to call me. Right. And uh, say, hey, you know what? Let's push it three days, or let's reschedule. When can you get another day off of work? So, in a way, you're being proactive with your clients, which I think is truly beneficial. Right. Even 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 guys that call me and and don't even book the trip, but they they want to, you know, kind of talk fish and get an idea and and say, okay, now let me go think about it. I'll, I'll write their phone number down or get their email address and right. say, hey, man, the fishing's hot right now. If, you know, if y'all were going to book a trip, I'd say, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Otherwise, I don't know what it's going to do after that, you know. Right, <clears throat> right. Now, that makes sense. And, I mean, being being very, you know, with your with your guests and taking care of your guests, you know, is, is part of your job. But making sure you put them on the best fishing prospects possible is definitely something that's important, you know. And, um and I definitely honor you for that because there are a lot of guys that just take your money and move on, you know? So, Oh yeah. And, and I don't run half day, full day trips. I run, you know, until we're tired and hot we got all the fish we can catch or just, you know, let's go in. That's great. You know, that's great. No, that's a good way I'm to operate. Out I, once, once it quits becoming fun for me, then now it's a job. And so right. I don't need to be doing it anymore. Sure. No, I get that. <laughs> And um, this time of year, moving from February into March, I'm recording this in late February, and we're moving into early March. Um, pretty good time for saltwater action for uh, specks and reds. What would you say? Yeah, uh, the redfish are running right now, and they have been for for about a month or so. Okay. Uh, that you know, the redfish here down on Baffin Bay, we don't have an outlet to the Gulf. Right. And uh, so. The way that I've, I've heard some of these old-timer commercial fishermen who, who fish for drum put it is, all the fish we have out here that are red fishing now, you know, 98% of them are probably released from the uh, hatcheries. Okay. And uh, what they do is they, they school up and they go to where they were released or where where's home to them. Sure. <clears throat> so this time of year for the red fish, it's more of a, you go out and you find them, and once you find them, you can sit there and catch them all day. 
Right. He's just getting and, a, getting a getting a line on where they are, which right, is the hardest right. part. Sure. And and where you know we're we're in a pretty low tide right now, and and so where your 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 boat can actually get to to give you the best opportunity to to, to catch them. I mean that that's that's part of the key. Sure. Uh, on the on the redfish, and and you know we've had an exceptionally warm year this year so far. Yeah, it really has been, and that's the other thing I was going to bring up is that fishing prospects. I just went uh, freshwater lake with my son, and we we caught a few the other day, and I was just kind of sitting there saying, you know, we have not had much of a winter in Texas this year. You know, it's been we've had a few days that were in the 30s, right, in your neck of the woods. Um, yeah, I think we had two two days that it, you know at night that it actually froze, and other than that, we haven't we haven't even been to 32. You know, my wife was a bit upset. She didn't get an ice day off from work, but <laughs> I told her that's just tough some years, but that's Texas yeah. for you. If you don't like the weather, wait around and, and it'll change, you know, oh, <laughs> give it some time. Give it some time. That's right. Are you also for trout this time of year? Are you also throwing shrimp? So I, I'll, I throw shrimp and, you know, obviously lures. I don't, I don't discriminate against lures by all means. Uh, actually, on 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 my website and for my business, I offer just a lure package. Sure. Um, and then obviously I offer a live bait package. Uh, right. And 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 what I tell people is, well, when they ask if they're just not adamant about one or the other, I say, well, your best chance is live bait. Let's take it. Sure. If we don't use it. I won't charge you for it. Because it's not cheap. I mean, last time I went for fishing with croakers, I mean, the the bait bill was was pretty up there. I mean, what is what does bait typically run you? I'm just curious. Croaker, you can find it anywhere from seven to twelve dollars a dozen. Goodness, but I mean, that's and, what you pay for sometimes. I mean, you pay for a good lively bait, right? And and then you know you gotta you gotta go get it and you have to haul it. And down here, there's down here you can get it but it's going to cost you the extra money right. and you don't know how you don't know how that 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 bait was handled sure uh so mo- most people down here especially the, the fishing guys that fish with croaker have certain places that they like to get their bait from because they've I been see. getting it there forever and and they can trust they, that bait right right and then you got to look at you know if i'm fishing seven days in a row eight days in a row I have to hold all that, but you know, I'm not going to go every day and buy bait. Cause you're talking a two hour drive one way. Right. And so, you know, you have, you have a lot of time and, and money invested in, in the equipment just to hold it, you know, in, in your bait shop or your, your, your boat barn and, and stuff like that. Uh, right. So it, it can get, you know, a little, it can get expensive. Right. So uh, trusting where to get your bait, you know, or you reading some Yelp reviews or whatever the case may be, if you're going by yourself, I think would be prudent. Right. <laughs> Right, and and especially if you're doing it on from a, from a business standpoint. Right, if you're just doing it to go out and take the boy out and you own a boat, you say, well, let's go try fishing with croaker. Then that's really not that big of an issue there okay. for you. I, I wouldn't think, you know, if if just because it's what's readily accessible and what's easiest to get for you, you know, if it was me fishing a new spot, you know, as as a guide, and we're gonna go out and we're gonna we're gonna get bait. That is something that I'm definitely gonna ask. Is okay, well. Should I bring some from down here, or do you have somewhere up there where you? Try? They're not going to be red okay. gills. They're not going to be. You know, once they start getting a little red around them, <clears throat> their gills and their fins. It's not long. Yeah, they're they're pretty stressed out, and and those those croaker are going to be hard to fish with. Uh, right. They're gonna they're gonna dive down and be the first ones to go and just lay on the bottom and. And they're your hard heads. Dig, yeah, <laughs> dig a little hole or get behind a rock. You know they're they're not being very proactive for you. The last time I fished at the coast, I um 
the seagulls were the hardest things we ran into um, because they'd kill the bait in the air. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You've run into that before, haven't you, on Baffin? Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> I hate it. You know, and there's some, there's some tricks of the trade there that, you know, the do not try this out there if you're listening. Okay. <laughs> if, if, the best the best deterrent for, for seagulls on any trip is a dead seagull. Okay. Now, that's against the law. So I don't that is against the law. But, you know, I, I, t- I keep a bunch of snapshot with me, weights. Okay. And if you if you if you tuck a couple of those you know above your hook, you know a foot or two, maybe even three feet, and throw it out, that weight's gonna gonna make that croaker sink faster than them picking it up off the water if it's free lined out. Right. There, right. Okay. Then, yeah. Then then they can't they can't get to it once it gets you know two feet below, three right. feet below. That's smart. Right. I never even thought of that, and the guy that I fished with never even thought of that. We were free lining or fishing with a little egg sinker, and that's it. Um, yeah, no, you, you take some of that, that snapshot or split shot and, and you put two or three of them on there and that, that should take care of, of, uh, of the, the issue dealers. with them. Yeah. They're not going to leave you alone, but they won't be able to steal it. You know, right, as long as it hits the water, they can't get it. Yeah. Cause once they realize it's on a line, they pick it up and, and run off with it and realize they can't take it and eat it. You know, they drop it and you've got a dead croaker now, you know, <laughs> it yep. was good, good live bait. And the guy oh, I yeah. used to fish with used to always get on me saying, well, if you have that, you got to reel in and get another croaker because you're going to be fishing for hardheads. Otherwise it's going to sink to the bottom. It's not going to fish. Oh yeah, it, it will. And you know, one, one, one trick I did learn two years ago that is, a. Uh, at least down here anyway from from everybody that I know that that throws bait putting a croaker on a on a uh, popping cork is a no-no. Okay, that's good. To know. And uh, I but I, I I tried it one day on a high pressure day we were we were hammering some really nice trout and uh, it just I remember it was about 9:30 and the pressure just rose a little bit and they just quit biting. Yeah, it shut off. <laughs> and so I moved the hook up basically to the center of, of that, of that croaker. Cause you know, they're going to hit it center mass. Right. And, and threw a cork on it. So that it stays up off the bottom because you're, you're hurting the, the croaker a little more by, by putting it so high. Sure. And, uh, we finished out the day with one of the best days we had on popping quartz with, with croaker, but we had to change the, the hook placement. Right. You had to hit it middle, and, middle of the middle of the body instead of the, the front of the. Right. And, and then it was like fishing with live shrimp. Okay. You know, as, as soon as they hit it, you set that hook. You don't give them time to realize, you know, there's a hook touching the top of their mouth. Right, right. And uh, we we actually finished out our day doing that, you know, everywhere we went after that. Now that's a cool strategy. I like that a lot. So you, normally you don't do that, but in a case where the fishing shuts off, that worked because you're popping corks, you know. Right, right. And they're going to naturally hit it. Right. And so, as soon, like I said, as soon as they hit it, you treat it like a shrimp. You know, as soon as they hit it, you set the hook and because this hook's in it works that makes sense it, it it worked i don't know if it worked again but that day it worked <laughs> that particular you know? day it worked <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun um do you have any other suggestions and and i'll i'll let you go when you're when you need to go i just wanted to, to kind of see what your what your viewpoint was on other suggestions for people fishing baffin bay in particular uh I'd, I'd say if if in baffin bay if you're going to come down here and you're you're new to the area or, or haven't ever fished it it's it's a bay system like like none other uh if you're if you're not going with a guy and you're bringing your own boat i would suggest you better have a really good gps or don't get anywhere near any of the shorelines uh right. stay out in the middle of the bay i've heard that before 
uh, you can look up just maps online of Baffin Bay, and there's there's so many rocks out here that you know every year there's there's three or four people that knock the lower units off their boats thinking uh, you know I know where I'm going and they there go they are fast and there they are there's a lower unit going right, <laughs> right. Uh, and I I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are scared you know scared to fish Baffin Bay and and the stories I've heard from customers that come down and fish with me or people I see at shows or, or seminars is they're never going to bring their boat down here. They just hire somebody to take. Them. Right. And that may be a, bad, a good strategy, you know? Right. And, and if you're not going to do it a whole bunch or, or you don't want to buy a boat, you know, if, if, if you're going to guy, if, if you're going to go fishing with a guy 10 times a year, that's cheaper than buying a boat. Yes. You know, uh, I've never thought of it that way before, Jared. You, you spend, a little more than maybe maybe a little bit more than what your boat payment would be, but you don't have the upkeep, you don't have the maintenance, you don't have the fuel costs, you don't have any of the you know insurance. You just say, you know what, I'm gonna go fish five days in a row, and then I'm not gonna fish back. You know, I'm not gonna go saltwater fishing for till next you know till next spring. So I'm running a, a 2016 Shoalwater Cat 23 with a 15 uh, inch raised center console. Oh, cool. And it, it 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 does everything that I, I was a little skeptical just because I never had a cat hole boat, right? And uh, the first the first couple of days I ran it just you know with just me, it, it was I didn't know if I was gonna like it or not, but you know right. th- this boat here will do so much more than than any kind of V haul boat could ever even think about doing because they can get in the shallower areas is the main reason, right? Oh yeah, I've run on plane and and just on just at just under five inches of water. Oh my so. gosh! <laughs> and uh, that's pretty yeah, shallow, man. <laughs> yeah, and and that was while I was saying, okay, let me see what this show water can actually do. Right. You know, those guys over there build a a a, a great rig. Uh, they actually know what they're doing. Right. And I've heard compared that to some of these, compared to some of these other other you know cat hole boats, you know, not to knock them, but they're they're almost identical, but the price is is ten or fifteen thousand dollars more. Right. And it's about the functionality of the boat, not about how much it costs. Yes, absolutely. That's not a bad strategy, though, folks. You know, to to hire a guide instead of going out and buying a boat, unless you plan to do a lot of fishing, like a lot of folks I know, you know that read our magazine do. But, um, you know, I, I'm a fan of hiring a guide. I really am because I like to fish a lot of different areas and uh, either freshwater or saltwater, you know, go where go where the fish are kind of thing. And I, I'm a big fan of hiring a guide. So I think uh, if I ever go to Baffin Bay, which I plan on soon, I'm definitely calling you. <laughs> so And and we have – I also uh, have a lodge that's on the water oh, that nice. uh, can accommodate some – some decent sized groups, you know, uh, uh, and we also, you know, I can, with, with the proper notice, I can accommodate more than just one boat. Cool. That's great. Um, you know, we all try down there to, to work together as far as, uh, saying, well, yeah, you know, you, you'd hate to call somebody and then say, well, we need three boats. And they say, well, I can't do it. Right. You know, we don't have any big groups down here that, uh, that all work together or work for one business or one company. It's more of a, okay, you call me, you need three boats. It's in six weeks. You've got time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we can do it. I, we can find the, the reasonable means to take care of that. That's and, super. Uh, so it all, it all works out great. And, and the one thing I like about Baffin Bay is 
if you're coming down here to go out and party and do all that kind of jazz, you're going to the wrong spot. You know, there's there's nothing around. There's a couple of restaurants and convenience store and one little hole in the wall bar. Man, <laughs> That's that, it. <laughs> it's a fishing community. It's I mean, Port Mansfield. I don't know if if you've ever been down there, but Port Mansfield has more than what we do. Right. Uh, down here, it's 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 more of a you come down, you fish, barbecue, hang out at your lodge. Will you tell folks how to find you, and I'll make sure I put all your contact info in the show notes. Give your phone number, website, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so my uh, my direct phone number is area code 361-228-0192. Uh, if I don't answer, you can always leave me a message or, or you know send me a text message. And my website is paradiseguideservices.com. Super. Great. And uh, do you have an email address people should contact you at, or do you just do that on the website? Yeah, you can you can go to the website, and, and it, it'll direct link to me there. Or okay. uh, or you can email me at Jared Merritt, that's G-E-R-A-D-N-E-R-R-I-T-T, at gmail.com. Super. That's great. I'll, I'll put all that in the show notes too. So folks can, whether they're listening online or streaming this or, um, or downloading this on their phone or mobile device, they can find out how to get in touch with you. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, sir. Thank you. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Jared Merritt with paradise guide services. And, uh, I will put all of his information in the show notes so you can, uh, Check him out and directly click over to his website from our podcast app or from um, whatever medium you're using to listen to this show. And I just want to thank you again for listening and tuning in and checking us out. If you are not a subscriber to Texas Fishing Game Magazine and you live in the Texas area or the vicinity of Texas, I invite you to um, subscribe. And this is the month that I have that two articles in the magazine, the March issue of 2017. So I'm really hyped up. video component that goes along with my um, air gun, hogs, and exotic hunting article. And uh, you can go online and check that out. We'll also have a a digital companion piece to that here in a couple of weeks. And I'm really excited about those two, uh, Carpe Diem and uh, the air gun hunting articles since yours truly wrote those. So I'm excited about those this month and uh, really excited about just the future of this show. And I really appreciate the time that you've taken to, uh, to check us out and to listen. And I invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you've not done so already. That way you can get new episodes on your phone every time we release a new one every two weeks. And I uh, really want to thank you again for tuning in and checking out our show. Have an awesome day in the outdoors. Mm-hmm.